1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center that we have, Becoming a Patient, information about the books, there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, if you haven't heard the news, I have a brand new book for pre-order right now. It's called Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. I really, in the book, discuss in, in a deep dive the intersection, the interconnectedness between mental health and physical health. How in fact mental health is not separate from physical health, mental health is physical health. And it's things that I see play out in patients' lives every day. And how underlying physiological issues, like underlying gut problems, like SIBO, or food sensitivities, or hormonal imbalances, how physiological things impact our mood, impact things like anxiety, and depression, and brain fog, and fatigue, and mood disorders. And then conversely, I'm, I talk about the research of chronic stress and shame and trauma and, and intergenerational trauma and how those mental, emotional, spiritual facets impact our mood, impact our physiology, impact how our nervous system regulates and impacts inflammation levels, impacts our hormones, and impacts our gut health. So gut and feelings, the physiological and the psychological. It's for pre-order right now. And from now until the book comes out, We're giving away free signed books. We're giving away lots of free, healthy stuff. So all the information about the pre-order swag is at drwillcool.com. And we're also giving away free signed books, lots of free stuff being given away. For all the listeners here, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there, tell us what you love about the show. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be going through the Apple Podcast reviews and randomly picking winners every month. So you can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast Review, or you can message me on over at Instagram, on Instagram, at Dr. Will Cole, and screenshot your Apple Podcast Review and message me over there. And every month I'll be going through the messages with my team and the Apple Podcast Reviews and picking winners both different ways. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. She is a dear friend of mine, I've also had the opportunity, the sacred responsibility of being a part of her health journey, which she shares in today's conversation. Her name is Sophia Bush. She is a true light. She's one of the kindest people that I've ever met, honestly. And it's, I'm not saying this just because she's on the podcast today. She truly is. And everybody on my team will say the same. She is an actress, she's an activist, she's an entrepreneur, she's freaking brilliant. She is a member of the Directors Guild of America and has starred in an impressive range of television and film projects, such as the hit comedy John Tucker Must Die, Incredibles 2, One Tree Hill, Dick Wolf's Chicago PD, Hulu's Love Victor, and NBC's This Is Us. Throughout her career thus far, Bush has earned multiple Teen Choice Awards in the categories of choice movie actress comedy, choice movie actress horror and thriller, and choice movie breakout female. Stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end, I'll answer another one of your burning health questions And and Ask Me Anything. All right, this is Sophia Bush's Art of Being Well. What's up? Hi. Thanks for coming on the pod.
2: This is so fun. I also can't believe we get to do this in person.
1: I know, right?
2: Like we've been on Zoom for so long. I
1: know. This is what I told Holly on my team before. I'm always on telehealth mode. Yeah. It's weird to see people in real real
2: life.
1: It's IRL today.
2: It's so nice.
1: Yes. So I guess we should probably tell people how we met and the context there. How did we meet?
2: Um, Sweet Kelly. Sweet Kelly. So yeah, one of my closest friends, Kelly, Gary, and Hines, who was actually in Grant and I's wedding. She was in our, our bridal party or wedding party, I guess is the right term, on his side. One of his, you know, oldest best friends mm-hmm. who, interestingly, I had known back in the day in LA. And then, you know, I moved to North Carolina and then I moved to Chicago and I just hadn't seen her in so long. So when Grant and I fell in love, Kelly and I refell fell in love. And long story longer, she... Through working at Goop, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. came into contact with you. And when I was talking about just what I was dealing with, what I've realized now is virtually autoimmune, you know, asthma, allergies, all sorts of skin reactions and just how generally uncomfortable I was all the time. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, you got to go to Cole," And that (laughs) was the beginning.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been great. I'm honestly honored to be a part of your health journey.
2: Yeah. It's been so eye-opening for me and i'm just very very glad that we got introduced of
1: course so you mentioned that you got married recently yeah how that how was it tell me all about it
2: oh my god it was magic you know it's a it's a really interesting thing i think in similar ways to what we've discovered about the body system and you know how many things can be true at the same time and mm. And how you can have love-hate relationships with things or maybe it's like love-harm relationships with things like foods. I realize there's a there's a bit of a, you know, love harm relationship with my industry in general. Mm. It's a weird sort of unbalanced seesaw to be on at times, you know, as one tiny human on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, who's onboarding or, or inputting Mm -hmm. a lot of attention, it can be very strange. And it was a strange thing for us to experience when we got engaged and suddenly it was global news. And I was like, I'm sorry, like I consider Jennifer Aniston to be a very famous person. I don't consider myself to be like a famous person like that. And holy shit, there is a (laughs) lot coming at us and like in so many languages and so many places. And it's so nice, but it's just, it's a lot it's energetically overwhelming.
1: I can imagine.
2: And I think that was actually really beautifully eye-opening because we realized that if there was the potential for that many eyeballs Mm. for something good, you know, for happiness rather than rage or upset or tragedy or whatever, what could we do with that? And so that was really what helped us realize that in addition to it being one of our favorite places and a place that we're very invested in in terms of you know, time and activism and and platform that if we had our wedding in Tulsa, you know, not only could we bring all of our favorite people there, but we could bring Mm -hmm. all these other eyeballs there as well. Wow. And it was just so special to do that. It was Mm -hmm. like the most loving and intentional experience of my life. And to have that with Mm -hmm. our community was really magical.
1: That's awesome. The photos were beautiful in in Vogue, right? Yeah. I mean- Beautiful I mean, that probably was trippy too. I mean, in vogue and getting married all Yeah, it was wild.
2: And I mean, I I have to be honest, I think what felt the coolest to us, you know, obviously it was beautiful to be able to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And for me as a person who never wants to share anything about my private life to realize, oh, I'm really happy. Because I'm like, yeah, you can have as many pictures as you want. Sure. (laughs) You know, that's not my normal reaction. But I was like, look how magical it was. Sure. that. That was so special personally and yeah. then again in terms of community for us mm-hmm. to have vogue magazine talking about dr crutcher and the work of the Terrence crutcher foundation on the mm-hmm. ground in tulsa and the black wall street times and the race massacre that occurred in 1921 and what the legacy of the descendants is today and wow. who's doing the work on the ground to help heal and repair a community and, Mm -hmm. you know, who's fighting for reparations and who's fighting to change the system, you know, the justice system, which often throughout American history has carried out injustices. Like Mm -hmm. that was so wild for us. Yeah. And we just thought it worked. Like this is what we wanted people to learn. Interesting. You know, we spoke to people the night that the festivities began and we said, you know, we're going to take everyone through neighborhoods and museums and lectures tomorrow, and it'll be heavy. But you know, you came here for your friend who's an activist and her soon to be husband, who's a former public school teacher, you knew there was gonna be homework. (laughs) And on the (laughs) other side of it, our hope is that we will all have embraced how important it is to learn Mm -hmm. our truth, to be the best versions of ourselves we can. And to have been able to do that while also celebrating us was it was just mm-hmm. it was the coolest experience i've of my never life. seen
1: someone do that use their wedding their day as a conversation as a learning tool was that i mean what was the genesis of that did you know from the outset you wanted to do that
2: yeah you know it's funny i think in the back of my head as many of us imagine you know big moments in life
1: mm-hmm.
2: i had always thought you know i Someday I'll probably get married in Italy close to where my family's from.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Kind of a throwaway thought. And then Grant somehow spidey-sensed the thoughts I'd had about that and managed to do exactly what I'd never even spoken aloud for our mm-hmm. engagement. And it was so surreal. And the minute we were engaged, I was like, we did it. We've done this. This was magic, mm-hmm. but I'm good. Like we checked off the thing from yeah. you know the bucket list or the whatever list that falls under. And I remember it was a couple of days afterwards when we finally told the world, we kept it to ourselves for as many days as we could. Mm-hmm. And then we were sitting in this little square in Italy, eating pizzas and just talking about what an amazing moment in our lives this was and, and what it would be like to look back on. And I just said, I think we should get married in Tulsa. And He was like, what? And I just, And as soon as he said that and he saw my face, he went, wait, yes. And we just started talking about it and about what we could do. And we were watching, you know, right before dinner, we'd shared the news on Instagram. We were watching how just on fire it was everywhere. And we thought, wouldn't it be so cool? You know, if you bring people somewhere for a wedding, wouldn't it be really cool to take... Mm -hmm a huge percentage of that attention and turn it on the people who'd really deserve it most. And it was special then, you know, when when we started to share the imagery and Vogue published the article. You know, we didn't know. We thought, what if they just post the wedding photos and they don't even talk about the tours? What if they think that it's heavy? What if they don't want to publish some of the harder information and they published everything. Wow. And we just thought, okay, there's a way there's a way to open hearts and minds and there's a way to mm-hmm. spend the privilege of a platform. And yeah. and we still had, you know, we had our magical day, but the weekend was really about a place that has changed us. Mm-hmm. And it was it was not lost on either of us that we had asked all of these people who are, you know, engaged and passionate and care about the world and mm-hmm. who operate in many arenas of service yeah. to come to this place and learn about what happened there in a moment where across the country, school boards and elected officials are banning books. They're banning the teaching of our history. Right. And you cannot love a place if you don't really know it. Mm. And you cannot love people if you deny what happened to them. And you cannot love yourself if you turn your back on yourself and your experiences. Mm. And so from the micro of each of us as individuals to the macro of community and, and nationwide experience, It was really incredible in our own way to be able to fight back against that and to do it lovingly and to prove that that's possible. It was very profound.
1: It is profound. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise filled with teaspoons and teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals and other gummy junk growing kids honestly should not be eating. And that's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with all that sugar and can potentially contribute to a variety of different health issues, Haya is made with no sugar, no gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. And I have at least one picky eater in my home, my teenage son, and he freaking loves these things. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with the yummy taste they actually love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, it's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else free, you can imagine, so it's safe, it's healthy for our kids. High is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so you have one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash This deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash HayaHealth.com Will and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Have you ever tried Kalima salt? Man, I freaking love this stuff. This sea salt is soft, moist, it's crunchy. It's a great finishing salt for steaks, for cookies, whatever you want. It's free of ocean-borne microplastics. It's actually harvested from the Kalima salt flats in Mexico. You'll be supporting the Saloneros by purchasing hand-harvested and sun-dried salt so you don't lose any of its natural minerals. I see electrolyte imbalances so much and people could just do the simple things of adding mineral-rich, nutrient-dense salt to their food. It can do wonders to support sodium, potassium, magnesium, which you need for brain function, energy, if you're dealing with cravings at all, migraines, electrolytes are essential. And if you cook with it, it makes it so simple. And it not only tastes great, but it really helps how you feel as well. It's only able to be harvested in the dry season, so sometimes they run out, so you have to get stock up on this amazing salt. Instead of just making your food salty, it actually enhances the flavor of the food. It's a subtle difference that makes all the difference. The multi-sized flakes actually dissolve differently, so each bite is more flavorful. It's amazing. Check out drwillcolesalt.com to get your first bag of Kalima Sea Salt absolutely free. They're giving away a free bag of this amazing sea salt. You only pay for shipping. That's Dr. Will Cole Salt, dot com. Dr. Will Cole Salt.com to get your first bag of Kalima sea salt absolutely free. You and I have talked about this privately before, but you've worked since you were yet very young, yeah. young girl. And being thrown in that and being on that autopilot constantly in that sympathetic fight or flight, yeah. hypervigilant state. Can you talk a little bit about that, the darkest moments of that mm. and what that looked like for you?
2: Well, you know, what's really interesting. I think it was actually in our, our early conversations, it was beginning to draw parallels. I remember you said to me, you show up for all these other people, mm-hmm. you know, you you're an activist, you go to the front lines, you're at the marches, you're raising the money, you're on the political campaigns, you go to work, and you know, you're you're one of the first people in and you're there all day and you're taking care of everybody. And why don't you do that for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think it was such an eye-opening question for me. And I realized that. And I think this is true in a lot of industries, but I, I can obviously only speak to my own experience. In the industry I work in, and in the industry I started working in at 20 years old, you know, I've joked with my girlfriends that I was, I was three years out of an all-girl school where I was wearing uniforms and then I was on a TV set. Like, yeah. what? It was nuts. And I never, there was never an option to question there was never a place to go to say, this is overwhelming. It was, you're gonna come to work at 3.45 in the morning on a Sunday and you're gonna go through hair and makeup and then you're gonna work for 18 hours. And then, you know, by Friday, because calls push for turnarounds, you're gonna be coming in at 6 p.m. and you're gonna be working till 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. And on, you know, the next Monday, if we're not on Sunday, the next Monday, you're gonna be back in at 3.45 or four in the morning. and. Mm-hmm. For years, I just thought that that was really normal. Mm -hmm. And when I realized it wasn't necessarily normal, then I started to go, well, what am I supposed to do about it? There is nothing I can do about it. And by the way, that's still pretty true. Like, even at this point, you know, becoming a director, becoming a producer, I set as hard a boundary as I can to protect the hours of my fellow cast and my crew. And there's still only so much I can do. And it got really interesting to realize in the face of, well, what can we do about it? We can't do anything about it. It was starting to get medical answers mm-hmm. that made me realize that I I needed to figure out a better balance. Because when I found out that my adrenal system had literally crashed, mm-hmm. that I had Physical repercussions happening in my body Mm -hmm. because I was a really good worker. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was really good at, you know, showing up first and knowing my lines and everybody else's. And that was the thing that sort of shook me in the same way that some of the things you shared with me about impact on the body Mm -hmm. and how we treat ourselves individually Mm -hmm. have like shocked me. It was very shocking Mm -hmm. to learn that there were real side effects to, you know, whatever phrase you want to use running yourself ragged, burning the candle at both ends. You know, burnout is not a feeling, it is a real physical experience and diagnosis. And it was kind of a double-edged sword to know I was there because on the one hand, I was so relieved that I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I was like, what am I going to do about this? <laughs> <laughs> what am I ever going to be able to do about this? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a really wild ride to go on to begin to learn about your own health.
1: Yeah. What do you say to someone that's maybe in a work environment, whatever industry they're in, and it's an unhealthy work environment? Mm. Do you have any words of wisdom there? Because I know you've been through that.
2: I mean, yeah. I Again, I think it's so complex Mm -hmm. because it's really easy from the outside to look at someone's situation and you look at it as black and white. But Mm -hmm. when you're in it, it's all shades of gray. Right. And there's negativity and positivity wrapped up together and depending on the day, they're sort of leaning on either end of the scale. Some days are worse, some days are better. So I want to be cognizant of that. I will say though, I think you know when there's a point where you can't do something anymore.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And I certainly had to take a leap. There's a lot of assumption you know, in my industry that there's always a safety net or that everything is easy and it isn't. And I had to leap out you know, like exit stage left of a situation that was really untenable. And it took a long time to do it. And mm-hmm. once I'd done it, looking back, I realized, oh, I should have done this two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I I see all those sort of red line in the sand, moments that I'd drawn for myself, and then the rest of the complexity, the rest of the people I cared about, the things that I did love amidst what was hard, kept me going and i have an ultimate amount of sympathy for people who are in that sort of situation yeah but all i can say from personal experience is that sometimes you have to go to get free Mm. and to get healthy and for me there was no way i could have gotten as healthy as i am now thanks to the work we've been doing together for the last year was I still in such an unhealthy container? Like I didn't have the bandwidth to feel feelings, let alone calibrate, you know, my adrenals and my blood sugar. Like that was just not even gonna be feasible. And so I don't ever want anybody to, you know, leap in a way that puts them at risk. But I do think if you're suffering somewhere, if your humanity is not being respected, if you feel like there's better for you out there, there likely is. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, maybe that's just the battered optimist in me, but I, I do believe that people deserve better than, you know, prescribed suffering. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that that's the way that we should be yeah. functioning as individuals or as a society.
1: Yeah, true. That's very well said what do you say to the person that is busy, 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 always on the go? And they put, they procrastinate with their health. They say, well, mm-hmm. I don't have time for this. And that was you. I mean, you're, yeah. you had every excuse in the book to say, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Oh, well, I
2: made so many excuses to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I get it. I don't re- I don't particularly care.
1: See, you say that, but you're hard on <laughs> yourself. I, you were such a, you are such a compliant in the best of ways. Meaning mm-hmm. you want to do the best you can do but we had to, if anything, bring an ease and a grace and a lightness to it because you don't have to be perfect. But what do you, like that best foot forward, that person's in that space that's like looking for that perfect time to prioritize their health. What would you say to that person?
2: If you don't prioritize your health, your health will come for you. (laughs) Like what I had to sort of learn the hard way is that you are in a symbiotic relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's constantly trading, whether it's hormones, nutrients, levels of energy, whatever. We all get very caught up in our intellectual minds and in our in our worker selves or our fill in the blank. You know, your your wife self, your daughter self, your friend self, whatever. But we. At least me, I I shouldn't generalize, but I know that for me it was always very easy to kind of leave my body behind, mm. to show up no matter what, to be a professional no matter what, to be on set when I was called no matter what. Like I I learned that day in and day out mm-hmm. on my first job that was day in and day out for nine years, and I kept it I've kept it up on every job I've ever done. And it hasn't been until recently that I've been able to say, I need a little help here. And I I had to because it came for me. Mm -hmm. I was getting so sick and I could see it. I didn't recognize myself anymore. The actual physical toll on my body was frightening. And the amount of pain that I was in every day from inflammation was frightening. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I'm, you know, a quote-unquote healthy young woman. I'm not supposed to be feeling like this. Mm -hmm. And when existing without crying alone, like in secret in the back of the van, you know, on my way home or like in secret when I'd run to the restroom at work by myself for two minutes and then I'd go back in and like put on a smile. I was like, this isn't normal. (laughs) I don't think people are supposed to feel this way. And so... I guess that's kind of it. I would I would simply say if you don't take care yeah. of yourself, of your physical body, of your yeah. mental well being, it will come calling.
1: Yeah. Well said. Before we started recording, you talked we talked about something that you had to say no to. Yeah. Is that still hard for you now, even <sighs> being at this evolved, healthier place?
2: It's so hard for me to say no. It's really, really difficult. And part of that is because I love people. And I love learning, and I love experience, and I want to do all the things all the time. Yeah. I'm like, of course I want to go to that conference, and of course I want to see the thing, and I want to go to the movie, and I want to read the book, and I want to read this article. And (laughs) like, the number of tabs that are open on my phone and computer is so gross. Yeah. But I want to be present and to glean information and to be available, you know, for a phone call or a speaking engagement, whatever it is. And... What I've begun to realize is that especially finally being in this big year of kind of putting myself back together from the ground up in terms of my health is that I've just got to say no sometimes. I've just got to give myself a Sunday to lay on the couch and watch TV and nap. And the God, the anxiety I have when I do that is so intense, but at least I have the wherewithal to be able to observe it, name it, understand why I feel it, because I was trained to be a crazy workaholic. People are not supposed to work 100 to 115 hours a week. <laughs>
1: You're not a robot.
2: Like, that's not it. Yeah. I've always laughed when people talk about a nine to five. I'm like, what is a nine <laughs> to five? Like, what is that?
1: That's a morning for that's you. My,
2: that's a half day for me. <laughs> yeah, right, what? right. And now I'm like, okay, maybe it's not normal that that's a half day. So, what can I do? What periods of rest can I offer myself? What better nourishment can I offer myself? What what little tricks can I do for my body and my health so that I can create a, a more sort of 360 full experience for myself as mm-hmm. a human? And I can show up in the spaces that I want to show yeah, up in.
1: I love that. When it comes to therapy and psychiatry, getting the help you need has never been so simple. When you're able to access your provider from the comfort of your device, it means mental health care could be on your schedule. And alleviating the wait times to get an appointment or the travel time to an office can free up time for the rest of your life. Talkspace is so convenient, so accessible. It helps my patients feel supported around the clock. You all know, as a functional medicine practitioner, another word for functional medicine is integrative medicine. So, we're integrating the best of all worlds for our patients. And I coordinate with mental health experts from places like TalkSpace to really give my patients the best, holistic, thorough, customized care. I wholeheartedly recommend TalkSpace for therapy. You can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. As a listener of The Art of Being Well, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code ABW. It stands for Art of Being Well. So use the code ABW to get $100 off of your first month and show your support of the show. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code ABW. That's code ABW and Talkspace.com. Let's talk about essential amino acids for a minute. If you haven't checked out the episode that I had with Angelo Keely from Keon, you have to check it out. You're going to learn so much science around essential amino acids it's so oftentimes missed people are not optimizing their protein and the specific types of essential amino acids that you cannot make your body cannot make on its own you need to get it through food or supplementation preferably both honestly to be a good effective levels of these essential amino acids which you need to support longevity you need to support your metabolic health if you're struggling with cravings poor metabolism And you want to just have optimal energy throughout the day. I've noticed such a difference when I integrated the essential amino acids from Keon into my life years ago. It's been a game changer for my energy, for my workouts, for just knowing I'm supporting longevity. I love this stuff. Keon Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness, longevity, all the things It naturally boosts energy, builds lean muscle, and enhances athletic recovery. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients, no fillers or junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing, and the flavors that they come in are freaking amazing. They have watermelon, mango, mixed berry, cool lime. Chian aminos are meticulously crafted using natural ingredients for a refreshing, fruity taste. You can get the unflavored as well. Unlock your best performance with Keon Aminos. You can save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. Just go to getkion.com slash Will Cole. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash Will Cole. slash Will Cole to get my fundamental supplements for fitness, longevity, metabolism, health, all the things Keon Aminos. So you mentioned political activism and you are very, you give a voice to the voiceless. Thanks. On social media, I know, Mm -hmm. but I know in private you do as well. Is that, how long has that been part of your life? What's your journey been with political activism?
2: So I think growing up the way that I did in California, I was an environmentalist before I realized it. You know, when you have the luxury of being in a state where, If you wanted to you could wake up and ski and by sunset be surfing you know i spent my whole childhood out in the desert up in the mountains in the woods going camping spending you know summer at like a cool funky summer camp in northern california camping and doing lake activities and loving it Mm -hmm. and I grew up between LA, which is obviously such a metropolis, but so nature centered mm-hmm. and a 5,000 person ranch town in central California where, you know, like I will never forget growing up there. I would spend, you know, time at the barn on the ranch where like cattle were being raised and people had horses. And, you know, I'd I'd go home from school on the little yellow school bus and run over to my best friend's house and his dad was a hunter and like i remember running in the side door to the garage which became my shortcut and like literally running into the open carcass of a deer that he was like cleaning <laughs> to and i was just like oh my god oh my you god. know the experience as a child you're like what is happening so <laughs> it's really interesting i've realized when i kind of talk to people about the way i grew up they're like so you grew up with a dad who was an artist in los angeles but also like Ranching? Running into deer
1: car- carcasses. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think it's probably the reason that politics are crazy to me because I'm like, y'all, we're much more similar than we give each other credit for. Mm. But that, that I think from a very young age created my curiosity about people
0: mm-hmm.
2: and my sort of 30,000 foot view that we are all pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And it was present throughout. School, you know, organizing walkouts and running beach cleanup clubs and all these things that I did as a little girl and as a young woman. And it was an interesting experience beginning to have a platform and realizing that a lot of what I was doing behind the scenes, I could encourage other people to do. I could share, I could educate. Mm -hmm. And I think it feels very natural to me because when I went to college, I went for the BFA theater program and It was like too much of one thing Mm -hmm. and very overwhelming for me and so i wound up transferring into the journalism school at usc and so i was a student at annenberg and then i was converting what was to be my theater major into a theater minor and that made sense to me so people will say well why do you write like this or why do you speak like this or why do you care i'm like this has been my study of my whole life actually yeah To me, the greatest stories we can tell are are real stories about each other. It's why I like being an actor because I get to go and make a person real. Mm -hmm. You know, something someone wrote becomes real. Mm -hmm. And I think that really, when I I try to go to the genesis of it, I can see that through line Mm -hmm. for my whole life. And I certainly, again, wouldn't prescribe what anyone else is supposed to do with their life. But for me, I cannot imagine having a platform and a megaphone and not using it for us. Yeah. You know, the collective yeah. us. I, I just, I don't know what else I would be doing.
1: Right, right. Is it difficult? I'm thinking of your health, and it's easy when you are active and passionate about things that are important. Mm-hmm. Is it hard for you to not let it impact your health as far as boundaries with it because Mm -hmm. it's obviously you care and it's important, but what does that look like for you with boundaries with not letting it constantly let you be in this sort of war mode or is it at all for you?
2: Yeah, it can be really hard. I mean, I've gone through periods of extreme insomnia because I cannot turn it off, whether that's, you know, our government beginning to be overrun by fascism, which is insane, Mm or People online just being awful. (laughs) It can be personal to massively, you know, societally political. One of my best friends always says, she's like, Well, you're a raw nerve. You feel every feeling in the room, including your own. And I'm like, Yeah, it's kind of intense. (laughs) But rather than sort of battling that, I'm learning to accept that that's the way I'm built and maybe that's the way I'm supposed to be. And I will say, as I've begun to take my health more seriously, Mm -hmm. I've also been able to set more boundaries. And so I'll get offline. I will not share about everything. You know, sometimes people will come at me and say, well, you talked about this and why didn't you talk about that? All I wanna do is show up for us, but I'm also, I'm not a news channel. (laughs) It's actually not my job and I can't be all things to all people. So. If you really want coverage on that thing, which I either don't feel ready to speak about or I don't think I'm the voice you should be listening to, maybe let me point you in the direction of an actual expert on that topic. I yeah. can I can be put in that category on some topics over here at this stage of my life. Sure. I've had to learn that that's okay. Yeah. You can't be all things to all people wow. all the time. It's I not possible.
1: Yeah. I never thought of the pressure of saying too much for some people, not saying enough for mm-hmm. other people. Oh, it's a lot never going to please everybody, especially yeah. with the topic as topics like the ones that you talk about.
2: Yeah. And what, what's wild sometimes is you'll have people from two ends of the spectrum, each accusing you of the same thing in reverse. <laughs> oh and God. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how I could be all this or all that. You know, you just realize that a lot of people, a lot of people encounter you. And this is true for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. People encounter you as they are, not as you are. And I think especially in a digital world where people are reading your words and not hearing you speak, yeah. I'll have people sometimes be like, you're so angry. And I'm like, I mean, I think this is insane, but I'm pretty level-headed about it. Mm-hmm. If you're reading me as angry, maybe you're very angry today. You know, and that yes. took me some time. Yes. But it's hard. It's a it's an odd thing to have to create a supersized practice of not taking things personally when you're just a person.
1: <laughs> and how, do you have any pro tips when you are that raw nerve that feels all the feelings in the, in the room to not take it personally when you have the social media wars or Oh, I mean, whatever. it's
2: definitely, there. Are, there are pep talks I have to give myself all the time. And, you know, sometimes I have to call my best friend and be like, this person said this to me. Am I missing something? You know, and I'm <laughs> sobbing on the phone and she's going... You you're working on an initiative with the White House. Why do you care what like Mary 647 on Twitter has to say to you? <laughs> Fuck Mary. And I'm like, you're right. She's mean, you know, and then I get on with my yeah. day. But it's like, right, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me that that we have a we all have a hard time seeing each other
0: mm-hmm.
2: as human. And, you know, there's all the all the studies about what the sort of digital disconnect has done to us and the way we view each other and we're more polarized than we've ever been. It's like, blah, blah. You've all heard it a million times. You don't need to hear it from me again. But I I have to remind myself of those things so that I understand what container I'm inside of. Mm. I didn't build the container. I don't control the container, nor did you, but we live in it. And I think we have to understand what that does to us. And I have to remind myself a lot because I'm a sensitive person. Yeah. But I will say the thing that's been the most mind-blowing for me over the last year, and my mind has been blown many times in all of our work together, is that when I'm really taking care of myself and I'm still you know, on the dream list of like what I would do every day to really be like a truly healthy human. I'm pretty low. Like I'm doing a couple of the things. I'm not doing like 11 things a day that I would like to do that I know would make my life better, but like I'm doing the best I can here. When I'm doing enough consistently, my anxiety is less. Yeah, Truly. And for me, a person who never thought that I would be able to, do the packet that you first sent to me. I was like, it's Dr. Cole. It's not going to happen. Like (laughs) I remember just being like, this is not possible. And you were like, everybody says that. And I was like, I can't do this. And you were like, everybody says that. And everybody does it. And I was like, I don't think you know me. (laughs) Like To the point that my friends are like, oh, if you can do it, any of us can do it. Because we didn't think (laughs) you were going to be able to do it. And now for me to be able to turn around and look at people and say, when I do this, when I feed myself well, when I'm good to my system, when I don't put food in my body that makes me sick, that's actually crazy. And I did it for decades. I'm not as anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm not as stressed. I sleep through the night. Like that probably sounds very basic to a lot of people, but it never was to me. Mm
1: -hmm. And then I'm sure when you are in that more parasympathetic state, the noise on social media or any negativity probably rattles you less right at that point
2: yeah well because when you're already rattling like if your cage is shaking and other things come (laughs) vibrating in your path it's like now you're having an earthquake (laughs) yeah but if i'm more still other people bouncing around in my periphery or even in front of my face don't affect me quite as much Mm -hmm. and that You know, that chasm is actually quite large.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really deep point here is that we can only, it's basic but deep in the sense that we can only have agency over what we can have agency over. We can only control Mm -hmm. ourselves. So let's make ourselves the most resilient we can be.
2: Absolutely. And I think for me too, it was beginning to realize that some of what I had told myself wasn't true, you know. I move where people tell me to move. I show up when people tell me to show up. I am at work until it is over, regardless of how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I miss birthdays, babies, weddings. Like, you know, people will say, well, when, when can you get to the dentist? And I'm like, that's hilarious. When the show wraps, like, I, I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I can't plan a doctor's appointment. There's, there's literally not an option. Yeah. And it was a big light bulb moment for me where I realized, oh, I have agency over so little, but I love what I do. I love being a storyteller. Like, I love it. And, I think nobody wants to hear a person who they see on a billboard who they don't actually know and they don't actually know what you struggle with. They don't want to hear you complain about your life because your life is on a billboard and it looks great. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, it's actually not my life that's on the billboard. It's like a picture (laughs) from a show and it was 4.30 in the morning when we did that. But like, (laughs) I know it looks great. Some nice retoucher like made us all look like (laughs) we'd slept, you know, (laughs) so I get it. Like I get why people wouldn't want to hear something that sounds like a complaint. And I think sort of, holding back what might've sounded like a complaint, Mm -hmm. which is really just denying how you feel. Mm -hmm. It's hard to leave your family. It's hard to leave your loved ones. It's hard to not know when you can ever get outside, you know, working on a set is like being in a casino. You're just inside and yeah. it's the same light temperature all day and you have no idea what's going on in the world, Yeah, which makes me laugh. And also I understand for the body is insane. I listen to Huberman Lab and I'm like, oh man, I don't know when I'm ever going to see sunlight, but cool.
1: <laughs> I remember one visit you were... One telehealth visit when you're in a trailer and someone kept coming and knocking on the door, you're like, one more minute. One I was more like, minute. I am
2: still on my lunch break. I just need you to give me until twelve thirty. That's when my lunch break ends. And I'm talking to my doctor on a Zoom because I can't go to his office. Thank you, by the way, for talking to me on your lunch break because we were in the same time zone. Um Toronto. Toronto, baby. But yeah. yeah, it was it was really interesting for me to to be able to sort of come to understanding that that was my container for for so long and whenever I'm on a set, that is my container. And to realize, oh, because I feel so little agency anywhere, I wear what they tell me to wear. I cut my hair the way they tell me to cut my hair. Like it's great and it's weird Mm -hmm. as a person. The thing that I have always felt agency around is food. Hmm. And I come from a big, you know, Italian family and, Food is a love language. And the other half of my family is, you know, a big, loud Jewish family. And so food is a love language. It's like, are we going to, you know, the restaurant or are we going to the deli? Like all of it is emotional. It's cultural, it's historic, it's comfort. And it's like, well, it may be 5.30 in the morning and we may be in a swamp, but I'm gonna have that pastrami sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I love a pastrami sandwich. But to realize that because of what was happening with my adrenals, because of what was going on, because I was never able to rest when I got sick, so I was over-prescribed antibiotics and steroids so that I could stay on set when I should have been in the hospital. Like all of these things have compounded to where rye bread makes me really sick. It didn't used to, Mm -hmm. but at this stage in my life, it does. And it was so illuminating for me when you said, especially for me as an asthmatic. We we were on Zoom and you looked at me and you said, Sophia, eating food that triggers asthma attacks and makes you sick is like staying in a relationship with a man who hits you. Mm -hmm. When I tell you I felt that in my bones, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wait, what? Oh my God. And I, I don't know what it was about the analogy, but it made me realize that for anyone that I love, if they were in a situation that was making them sick, that was making them suffer, mm-hmm. I would show up to try to fix it. And I wasn't showing up to try to fix it for myself. Yeah. And then it helped a lot when you said like, it won't be permanent, but we yeah. have to heal right. the illness in your body. And then I promise you can have it. You just can't have it for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a really, it was just like a core mm-hmm. memory for me about, Beginning to learn to show up for myself the way I have yeah. always showed up for other people. Yeah. And a big lesson in patience.
1: Right. And shifting your paradigm on how you saw these things like food. Yeah. Or wellness. Because it's not restriction to avoid things that don't love you back. It's self-respect.
2: Yes. And that's the thing. It is an act of self-respect. And then I had to do a little bit, like, let's be clear, in the same way that I I have the asterisk where I'm like, nobody wants to hear an actor complain. I had to like do the little asterisk of being like, you privileged asshole. Like, <laughs> you can still go out to eat Italian with all your friends when there's a dinner. Is it so hard to order a whole fish and some vegetables at the Italian restaurant? Like, instead of a cacio pepe, is it actually that hard? <laughs> And I had to admit, no, it's not that hard. Yeah. And and then the weirdest thing is I realized because I was eating food that, that loved me back, I was like, I am eating so much more food and I am so much healthier. And I used to like, Narest. I've always been a person who pounds food. Like I'll pound a bowl of pasta for breakfast. <laughs> But I'm sitting here being like, wow, I ate a whole fish for lunch. I had like a massive steak for dinner. I'm eating all these vegetables, I'm making all sorts of amazing sweet potato, like crazy substitutes for things. And I don't feel, I don't feel deprived at all. I feel alive. I'm not tired. I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not foggy. Like, I could, I still can't believe it.
1: It's, a, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. Cause you're not kept back. I see so many people kept back from, being who they want to be or doing things that they're passionate about because they feel their light is dimmed by these things. You don't
2: realize how much of an energy suck it is for your body to be fighting itself all the time. And for me, it was really wild, you know, because I was in the middle of a season of television and I had gotten progressively more exhausted and sickly feeling from October our holiday break in December, Mm -hmm. which I attributed to the 17 hour days. And I attributed to the fact that, you know, I was in every scene and also producing the show and, you know, doing all the things. I thought, well, of course I'm exhausted. Like, this is what it's supposed to be, but we'll get to the end of the 13th episode and I'll sleep for a month. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then we started our work over the holidays. And by February, I was like, Who needs what? What's going on? No, I don't need another coffee. Like me? I don't need another coffee? Sweet Andrew, our set PA was like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm great. I'm not tired. Like I did not know that was possible. It was very, very surreal to experience both ends of the spectrum while working on the same Same job, working the same hours. And they
1: got to see that all the people you worked with got to see it. Yeah. You were sipping that bone broth juice.
2: Oh my God. I was just walking around with so many jars of liquids. I still do. Everybody laughs at me every day.
1: (laughs) I remember, I forgot who I was talking to. It was a mutual friend of ours that said they were out to dinner with you and they were all getting the whatever food it was. And they were amazed at how you were doing your thing, not because it was restrictive, but because you were laser focused on nourishing yourself. Yeah. That's a paradigm shift. It's pretty cool Really,
2: really wild, like a wild shift.
1: Yeah really cool what you're talking about political activism what do you say to somebody that is they don't know where to start they want to be a part of the solution Mm. what are some tips to like get it off the ground for them
2: Mm. I think the most important thing you can do I mean look motivation is great Mm -hmm. we all know we're at a moment in life where I think we can understand that you also can't just walk in a room and like be in charge or grab the mic, it's really important to learn. And so the thing that I love to tell people is show up to help the helpers. There are people focused on what you care about. You know, if you care about ending the crisis of gun violence, which is now the number one killer of children and teens in America, follow mom's demand. They have chapters in every state in the country. They are completely bipartisan. They are fighting back against the gun lobby. They are like the most incredible group of activists I know. And working with them is one of the highlights of my life. And you can go and you can show up and learn from the experts. And before you know it, a couple years down the line, volunteering and, and doing work and lending your voice you'll be one of the one of the people in the room who the newbies come and listen to. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's true for the environment, that's true for women's reproductive rights, that's true for anything that you care about. There are people doing such good work. And I would also encourage anyone who finds themselves triggered by calls in like being called in to learn, being called in to see
0: mm.
2: what some of the ills of our society are at a deeper level can produce a lot of upset for people. Yeah. If you feel that upset, investigate it. Hmm. Because look, we are little humans who evolved and we still have those weird, I always I always call it like the part of the lizard brain, yeah. you know, that reacts Repetilian really individualistically brain. and like is mad when it, you know, gets called into community.
1: The we will get you.
2: Exactly. It'll just get you. <laughs> and- And if you can investigate where that comes from, if you can listen to voices, if you're a woman who looks like me, go and read Bell Hooks. Go and follow Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Go and learn from the women who are talking to us about our need to ask ourselves the question, are you going to be a conscious or unconscious agent of a white male patriarchy, or are you gonna fight back against it because it also has nothing for you? Mm. You know, those exercises over the last, you know, 15 plus years of my political activism have been the most soul nourishing and important experiences for me. Mm -hmm. And I really wanna encourage other people to step into those spaces where they give themselves permission to really dig in yeah, and really learn. Yeah, you know,
1: I think it's wise words too. Just when you think of people being triggered by these conversations, to be curious, to to look inward, because that's part of their wellness too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're being triggered by these things, these are check engine lights. Yeah, to really dig in deep.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's something, and I I know you know this when you're when you're in flow and work is what you want it to be and your person is who you want them to be and all of those things
0: Mm.
2: you can really sort of again it's that analogy i like to use it's like the thirty thousand foot zoom out Mm -hmm. i think about being in a plane and just like really being able to see from that height and when i do that zoom out and i look at my community and i look at you know I think about concentric circles. It's like my community. It's the closest people I rely on that I talk to every day. And it's it's me and my husband. And I love to observe what the people I love do and the way they commit themselves to things. And a conversation that happened a couple of years ago between my husband and I spurred him to ask some of his friends some hard questions. Mm -hmm. And... He came back and asked me and some girlfriends mm-hmm. more questions about our experiences, mm-hmm. you know, from like junior high to present as women in the world, and was so amazed by how much he thought he knew and things that he didn't know, things that he hadn't considered. And him and some of his friends have started a group. And these men are doing exactly what I just encouraged white women to do they are reading feminist theory they are reading about the experiences of women they are talking about what they have always looked at as bad male behavior hmm. and how that box that they have put over there and looked at the men that they see in it is actually so much larger and encompasses so, so much more than they realize
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i'm looking at this person who i love and you know trust and feel protected by and and protect myself and all of yeah. these things and I think that's it. You can do that. You can always go deeper. Mm-hmm. You can always learn more to be better to yourself, certainly, mm-hmm. and better to your community, better mm-hmm. to all your close relationships. And I find that sort of insatiable desire to learn, to be the most attractive and inspiring thing about people. Mm-hmm. And it feels really good to be in this moment where that desire to learn and grow is applied to all things to you know the joys and ills of society to what it means to you know have a healthy marriage to what it means to have a healthy body like everywhere i look there is really a lot of depth that inspires me
1: yeah yeah it's health on all levels Mm -hmm. and pushing towards that Mm-hmm. You are, you, I did, I don't forget the publication, but you had quite a, I would say a lot of buzz around a op-ed that you had about Roe v. Wade. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Did you think, did you think it would have such an effect? Because it went viral.
2: Yeah, obviously I hoped that it would, I hoped it would get in to the deeper parts mm-hmm. of us and past a lot of the noise. You know, I think it's very difficult to look at the, the place that we're in and to look at the absolute, I mean, torching of medical science, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of how you might feel about it personally, regardless of how I feel about it personally, abortion is healthcare. Mm -hmm. And if a woman doesn't have the right to choose when she has a family, she is not an equal member of society. And you've heard it once, you've probably heard it a hundred times, if men could get pregnant, you'd be able to get an abortion at a gas station. Yeah. You know, period, end of story. Yeah, it's true. And what was very interesting for us, you know, Grant and I had had a lot of conversations about the way women are treated as second-class citizens in terms of their freedoms and in terms of their health care and in terms of access and in terms of, you know, the way that, that we know from studies that medicine denies women's pain and, all again, all the things you already know that you don't need to hear me repeat. And when the leak happened from the Supreme Court, the conversation that we had was so meaningful to me that i i made a comment about it not in specificity but a comment about it in a in a post on of a of a photo of us and an editor reached out and asked us to write an op-ed together and said, you know, for two people who are about to get married, how do you feel about this and would you write about it and and it led to us having this really incredible experience, not just as a couple, but really leaning back through our histories, you know, what it has been for me to deal with trauma as a woman in the world at the hands of men, Mm -hmm. what it has been for him to, as a man, never have to worry about certain things that we as women do, what his experience was as a young man seeking abortion care with his then partner in his 20s. And it led us full circle to this really beautiful experience as an about to be married couple, really diving deep on what this is for us Mm -hmm. and diving deep with Grant's ex-partner and the experience that they got to have together. and the connection that she and I got to have together. And we wrote this op-ed, we sat and did it together. We actually wrote two versions of it. We wrote the version for Glamour because it's read by one and eight women in America in my voice and a version for GQ in Grant's voice. Mm. And a lot of people couldn't believe that we were willing to sort of share this story. And, and then we're also very touched that his ex was so so supportive of us sharing the story. And it felt really important because as, you know, the universe would have it, I've never had an abortion. I've never had to. I've been in a union since I was 18 years old. I've had great healthcare access. I've never found myself in trouble because I always had the opportunity to make my own decisions. There was something I think about, as important as I believe it is for everyone to share their stories, there was something about the fact that we penned this piece for the women's magazine in my voice as the woman in our, you know, hetero couple. I, I was like, it's not my story actually, but the only reason I get to be with my person is because he got to make a choice all those years ago and him and his ex got to move lovingly past each other because they knew they weren't right for each other. Ultimately, they weren't meant to be married. They weren't meant to you know, stay together and and co-parent and do this thing. And they got to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And now she has the dream life she wants with the dream family she wants. And so do we. And I think it gave people just enough room. No crazy right-wing person could yell at me about like being a murderer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool that you don't care about kids that are alive that are in foster care or starving, but you seem to care about a cluster of cells. Like, mm-hmm. what? Can we talk about what's going on with all the kids that are on the planet before? Like, no? Mm -hmm. All right, interesting logic. Sure, you do you over there. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) I got to sort of avoid that mayhem. Mm -hmm. Grant benefited from that very real male privilege of men don't get judged the way women do. Yeah. And it was a really profound experience because a lot of people said, I've never thought about this topic from this perspective before Mm -hmm. my best friend from high school texted me and was like, my ultra conservative dad read your piece on Facebook and said, that really made me think about a lot of things that really put a lot in perspective for me. Nothing has ever done that before. And I thought it's scary to stick your neck out on the line in such a personal way. But if that's the potential outcome, I'm here for it. Yeah, We have to be able to cut through all of this noise and all of these names we've been told to call each other and see each other and humanize each other's experiences it matters so so much and again it all comes back to your health and your body should be of your all under your own governance yes and you deserve to live the best and healthiest life possible and no one can take that away from you yeah and again, I get that people have very personal feelings about it, but your feelings shouldn't dictate law and your feelings shouldn't stand in the way of doctors being able to practice medicine. And your feelings shouldn't force a woman, which is happening right now, to carry a fetus that doesn't have a skull yeah. to term and be forced to give birth to a dead baby. Like th- these things are wrong. Yeah, They're just wrong. And I, I really wish we could come together to separate medicine and and feeling more and if if opening a dialogue in this way can be helpful then i'm really you know honored to have been part of that for sure
1: my goodness you have and thank you so much for sharing that i could talk to you forever about these incredibly important (laughs) topics you you know the podcast is called the art of being well so i want to give some time for this is sophia bush's art of being well i'm going to throw a few questions at you just bounce around the first question that comes to mind is if you what's the, the top food it's a healthy food but it's the mm. worst tasting healthy food for you that you still have as part of your <sighs> life yeah be, but it tastes horrible but you still have it because it's so good for you You know
2: what i really detest is endive interesting so healthy i look i'm a here i take it or leave it salad person like i don't really care <laughs> about a salad to begin with yeah it's fine but you know there are so many other versions of greens I would like to eat. I don't understand why people want to eat something that is so bitter. I just I'm not into it. I'm no. not into a, a a bitter I'm not into a bitter food.
1: That's all right. No shame. Yeah, it's not for me. What are the what are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally?
2: I would say magnesium at night is such a big one and you moved me from you know, whatever. I don't even remember what it was at this point. It's been, a, you know, a year, but I was taking like some magnesium mm-hmm. pill at night and you put me on that powdered magnesium. Yeah.
1: It was like a magnesium and, threonate. It was a compound of different magnesium.
2: Yeah, so yeah. it's all all the things the body needs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And my God, do I sleep well when I'm really regimented about taking that every night. And little things that I find, you know, if I if I really am on a good streak with it, I don't get headaches. I don't get a sore after a workout. Like all these things get better. So I would say that is a really, really big one and a probiotic for sure.
1: Great, great tips. Yeah. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, regardless of health benefits, purely on taste alone and deliciousness, what would that food be rice. for you? <laughs> Without Truly. flinching. Rice. rice.
2: Yeah, I would like, like the, the closest runner up. I thought about a bowl of rice and then I thought about a ribeye. <laughs> Like a nice, medium, rare, fatty steak on a bone is a big deal for me. Yeah. But my God, rice. Because here's the thing. If you were stranded on a desert island and yeah. you had an endless supply of rice, a deserted island, I mean, you could forage for seaweed. You could salt it with seawater. You, If you caught a fish, You've you could about have a fish before. and rice. Oh, I think about it all the time. <laughs> like I think about what my island survival plan would be. And like, I would just, I would need a lot of rice. I love that. Yeah.
1: Are you picky about any type of rice or?
2: I mean, yeah, I'm like picky about how it's prepared. I like, I'm not a brown rice person. People love it. You do you. It's not for me. Yeah. But yeah, I remember, I remember four months into our like first wave of protocol mm-hmm. being like, can I please, <laughs> yeah.
0: please Bring just have some rice. rice. And yeah. we're
2: like, okay, okay. <laughs> Man, it was the hardest thing for me to give up. Yeah. For we, sure.
1: Well, we introduced the rice.
2: Yeah. I love a reintroduction, by the way, but it is really interesting to have gone from, you know, having needed my inhaler almost every day to using my inhaler twice a month or before like a strenuous workout or something as Mm -hmm. a preemptive and being like, yeah, I guess cutting out all the stuff that was causing inflammation in my body is really working.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. Do you feel like we're better or worse off with social media?
2: I think it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I think that we're more connected now than we've ever been. We are much more aware of each other's experiences and struggles. We've been able to see inside of social justice issues and transparency within, you know, government and police departments and academic institutions and all of that is great. Mm -hmm. And I think what's unfortunate is that for so many of us who take it at face value, there are enormous, you know, dark money, nefariously motivated groups that are weaponizing social media against people who would never think to do that in reverse or even know how. Mm-hmm. And so I I think that we definitely need to see more rules in place. You know, I get really amped whenever Elizabeth Warren goes after big tech companies. I'm like, mm-hmm. get them,
0: Liz. <laughs>
2: Come on. We need some rules here. Like, and we do. You know, just like we needed rules for ourselves as a society, we need stop signs. We need yeah, driver's license tests. Like we, we need example. things. Yeah. We need some regulation so we don't spin off the deep end. And I would really like to see some regulation in those spaces because I think by and large, they're pretty great for a lot of us.
1: Yeah, agreed. What's a spiritual practice or a mindfulness practice that's been the biggest game changer for you personally?
2: mm. I would say, one of the biggest game changers, and I, I I did this years ago, I do not have a TV in my bedroom. Hmm. I don't have any screens in my bedroom. and the the sort of last holdout was, you know, well, my phone's my alarm clock. What am I going to do about it? I plug my phone in in my bathroom now. I have an old school alarm clock. I do not bring any technology into my room, and it does really allow me to just have a boundary that I find really, really helpful. And it it does have a an effect on my life that feels more spiritual than just habitual. Right. So I would say that is a really big one. And the other one truly is just figuring out how to get moving more. I think because I'm very, very active and on the go all the time and juggling a bunch of projects all the time. When I'm home, I wanna be a sloth. Like I would love to lay down on this couch and not move for the rest of the day and i know my brain knows that my body feels better when i move regularly and it's really hard for me to get over that hump Mm -hmm. so i try to create ways to hack it whether it's like i've booked an appointment to work out with a friend or i've i've made a plan for a hike i I have to show up for someone else. Which sure is probably a thing I should work on. But at this point, it's like, I know it about myself. I've yeah. accepted it. I'm moving on. Well, I
1: think you're using that trait to for good, actually, to better Yeah, I'm yourself. trying.
2: <laughs> I'm just like, hey, listen, not everything can be on the front burner. So, like, I'm going to put that on the back burner, but at least it's on the stove.
1: I love it. Do you ever go to Starbucks? I'm curious. or And if you do, what's your order?
2: Mm. Well... I know we're supposed to prioritize mold-free coffee, which is hard at any sort of big box shop. We have discussed this at yes. length, yeah. but yeah, especially, you know, how early they're open when yeah. I have to be on convenient. set. So I, my first order of the day would be a Grande Americano, black, just plain clean. And then sort of around lunch hour, I want the biggest green tea that they have, I have on black ice. Tea right here. Yeah, I Starbucks. want a giant iced tea, no sweetener. I find it to be disgusting. Yes. I'm like just give me a clean iced tea. Yeah, that's you what you I want. You get
1: light ice because I get light ice. I think they ice it too much. So maybe try that next time. Interesting. It's really, even more straight. So you up. know what
2: I do <laughs> but, is I let them do the ice, but I tell them no water because they fill oh, the tea oh, to a certain I line. I say light and ice to no water,
1: water too. Mm-hmm. We're hardcore. Tea I want all right here. the
2: ice. Is the thing like I want so much <laughs> ice? I'll tell you
1: another weird thing on Uber Eats. You can't say light ice, no. so it's either ice or no ice, and I pick no ice. That's no how ice. You you get
2: it at home. I exactly. get that. I will say the best thing I invested in in the pandemic, and this is like a purely selfish investment. This isn't like some world peace goal. I bought one of those little countertop plug-in pebble ice machines. Nice. <gasps> Changed my life. I have in and out ice at home. Every day. (laughs) I'm like, how did I go so many years without this? Yeah. It's honestly the best. It makes me so happy. So I do a lot of iced tea at home.
1: I love that. I love iced tea. Speaking of it, I guess you mentioned in and out. I'm curious, barring health benefits, just as is being from Southern California, what's your in and out order?
2: Oh, I like a double, double protein style with fries. (laughs) Because I, I don't do. even, the thing is I don't need to mess with the bun. I want all the grilled onions. I want all the cheese. Yes. I don't eat dairy anymore, to be clear.
1: This is a dairy-free yeah, zone, this is people. Yeah, this is a
2: dairy-free <laughs> zone. I, it's so hard because like truly my favorite thing, I used to do this. This was like, did you ever see the episode of Sex and the City where Carrie's talking about her secret single behavior, how she likes to come home and eat saltines with jelly and like standing in her kitchen by herself? Like it really stuck with me because secret single behavior is like, basically my initials and I don't know, it, it made an impact. <laughs> like my, I used to have a secret single behavior of going to the gym on a Saturday morning. I was living in Chicago for many years working and I had this amazing trainer there named Mike and my Pilates teacher Jacqueline and I would go work out with Mike on Saturday mornings and we would do the hardest workouts, like sled pushes and sled pulls and like, it was just mayhem. And I would leave the gym I would go to the Whole Foods in my neighborhood. I would get a whole rotisserie chicken and a burrata in a plastic container and a box of lentil crackers. And they were just, they're so good. And I would go home and I would pull the chicken and I would crack that burrata round open, douse it in olive oil and sea salt and eat the entire thing with a box of lentil crackers. And then I'd have my chicken.
1: And- How long did this go on for?
2: Oh, for like two years, bro. <laughs> like Saturday was burrata day. Like that is like the the level of just Italian childhood there. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was coming out.
2: I think about it and I feel like I almost feel high telling you the story. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it makes me so happy. And I just don't need it anymore. Yeah. Because I have asthma. And it's bad for me.
1: Well, it gives you some gluten-free sourdough bread. Oh, man. We'll we'll figure it out. I never thought
2: I would get here, though. Really, what the story... The point of the story is to say, like, whatever spell you cast to convince (laughs) me to be nice to my body, like, really worked. Because that that was my SSB for, like, many years. I love it. And here we are. And now I'm like, "Mm, I don't need it.
1: Well, I think the spell was... Tapping into you and kind of having your paradigm shift, right? You had it all along. Yeah. I just pointed you there.
2: Yeah, it's nice. It's just really nice to to not be so dependent on medication. Mm Mm-hmm. To Like, be upright,
1: <laughs> yeah. To function, my yeah. Goodness. That's a that's novel cool. idea, novel idea. Yeah. My friend, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank Where you. can people go to learn all about your amazing work? If you want to give a shout out to any cause that's near and dear right oh, now, like, thank you, let's give it to,
2: yeah. Highlight. I mean, come join me on, on my semi news channel, semi ridiculous human space. My Instagram is just at Sophia Bush, and so is Twitter. I do a lot in those spaces. I actually also have a podcast. My show is called Work in Progress. We have done two amazing seasons. We're currently on hiatus. I look at me, I set a boundary. I gave myself a break <laughs> so I could go get married and take a honeymoon and have a time this summer. But that will be gearing back up this fall. And then one of my pandemic projects actually was starting another podcast with my girlfriends from One Tree Hill. Hillary and Joy and I have a show called Drama Queens. And we are doing a full rewatch. And like the tea from the early aughts is really piping hot. So <laughs> there's many an avenue to come for, you know, fun and, and a little bit of information.
1: I love that. Yeah. I have to ask you one more question. I, we just did an outro, but I want to give you one more question. You have such an iconic voice. And I wonder, is I almost think of like people that have red hair and everyone else thinks it's beautiful. Yeah. But they're like, oh, this is just my, me. And maybe they're a little insecure. Did you ever think that, was it a help or a hindrance, I guess, in your career?
2: I don't know if it's been either help or a hindrance per se, but interestingly, as a person who takes everything a bit personally and who really needed to do some therapy to get over a lot of young, young-aged bullying that I experienced, the bullying about my voice never bothered me. And I don't know if that's maybe because I grew up watching Demi Moore movies and being mm-hmm. like, see, it's cool. I, I don't know. It was never something that worried me. And yeah, I like it. I guess the only downside to this is that I've sounded this way since I was about eight years old. And <laughs> it meant that in the era where everyone still had yeah. a wall phone and prank calls were a big deal, I could never make a prank call because everyone knows my voice. Yeah, That was like the one sad thing for me in fifth grade. But oh, man. other than that, I like it.
1: I, lo- I love your voice. It's beautiful. Thank you. My friend, thanks. Come, come back anytime.
2: Anytime.
1: At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Ben. Can you discuss homocysteine and where you like it on labs? All right. So homocysteine is an amino acid. It's something that I quantify on labs when we're looking at a full lab panel. We get super nerdy here at the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center. We put all the labs on spreadsheets. We color code it for people so they can see visually what labs are optimal, which labs aren't. Homocysteine is part of that comprehensive panel. And it's an amino acid that is a byproduct of something called methylation. Methylation happens about a billion times every second in our body. It's just a fundamental part of being alive on this earth physiologically. And it's needed for detoxification pathways, healthy brain function, healthy hormones, healthy gut function, making of protein amino acids in our body. And homocysteine is supposed to be converted into something called methionine, which is a sort of a building block of ourselves. But many of our patients that are struggling with different inflammatory problems or brain health problems or or hormonal problems, autoimmune issues, they are, um, a part of that is dysfunctional methylation or suboptimal methylation that we need to figure out why that is, both on an epigenetic and a genetic level, uh, and support methylation wherever we can. So, The optimal range for homocysteine is under seven. That is different than what the reference range would be uh, on a lab reference range, which listen to past episodes about that. But in functional medicine, we're looking at optimal, not average. So the optimal range for homocysteine is under seven. Above seven, there's studies to show that it it's an inflammatory marker it's a one way to gauge a source of inflammation levels in the body there are other inflammatory markers too like high sensitivity c-reactive protein ferritin which is also a biomarker for stored iron can also be seen as an acute phase reactant basically it can spike in states of of, uh, inflammation as well and there are a numerous amount of different biomarkers that you can measure to look at different sources of inflammation. Homocysteine is just one of them and it is an it is a again a part of methylation. So it's a way to look at this, this basically this this it could act as a neurotoxin. There's studies to show that even slightly elevated homocysteine levels can increase blood-brain barrier permeability, basically contribute to neuroinflammation, which is there's, you know, as somebody can have leaky gut syndrome, things pass through the gut that shouldn't be able to pass through the gut can also have increased blood-brain barrier permeability or leaky brain syndrome, which is such a, you know, a poor, unfortunate term, right? But it's it's pretty descriptive. Things are passing through the blood-brain barrier that shouldn't be able to pass through the blood-brain barrier, this protective sheath around the brain, and that can contribute to neuroinflammation, which is associated with things like anxiety and depression and brain fog and and fatigue, and other neurological autoimmune issues. So it's an essential um, biomarker, in my opinion, to really understand in one aspect of methylation, even though methylation is a lot more complex than just homocysteine metabolism, but it's an easy, accessible lab for people to look at inflammation levels in the body as a byproduct of methylation. So what are ways to get homocysteine down? many different ways. But B vitamins are an essential part of that. Things like folate, methylfolate, B12, trimethylglycine, creatine, vitamin B6 uh, are some things to consider uh, to lower uh, homocysteine. Taurine is another one as well. So different, different blends of these compounds can help to recycle and bring this inflammatory protein down. So if you're going through things like depression, people that are going through Alzheimer's, people that have headaches, migraines, people that have other neurological issues like tinnitus, ringing in the ears, hearing loss, people that have cardiovascular issues like stroke, heart attack and stroke, Uh, homocysteine is also associated with cardiovascular risk factors. And I have to say, typically from a conventional medicine standpoint, that's why they're running homocysteine. If it's ever ran, it's typically looking at cardiovascular health because it certainly is a lot of studies to show Is associated with different heart attack and stroke risk factors. It's also associated with things like schizophrenia um, because it's a neuroinflammatory problem. And then there are many things that can deplete methyl donors. Certain medications can deplete methyl donors like metformin or glucophage, which is a blood sugar-lowering medication, can deplete methyl donors. These carbon-hydrogen groups that are needed to recycle down homocysteine. Alcohol can deplete methyl donors, which can then raise homocysteine because it's not being recycled down. Uh, It's associated with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder as well, MS, other, I mentioned neurological autoimmune issues. Basically, neuroinflammation and cardiac inflammation. We wanna make sure that we are supporting healthy levels of homocysteine. And then ultimately, there are many stressors. If somebody's living out past trauma, if they have underlying gut problems, both physiological and psychological stressors, that's keeping the nervous system in that sympathetic fight or flight stressed state, that hypervigilant state, that will deplete methyl donors as well, which you basically, we oftentimes have to dose these supplements And nutritional support higher while we're actively dealing with the underlying physiological and psychological stressors to basically overcompensate for the body's stress state. But then when you start to calm down and be supporting, uh, support the parasympathetic and the inflammation levels are lower, there is less of a need for these higher doses. So keep that in mind that we have to track this over labs over time to make sure we're getting to the optimal zone. If you want to learn more about not just homocysteine metabolism but inflammation as a whole check out drwillcole.com incidentally I am talking about this in gut feelings as well which is for pre-order right now so depending on where you're at on your health journey you may just want to read a book you may want to reach out to my telehealth center so either way all the information is at drwillcole.com